You're listening to New England Take WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kierstead. You can check out the New England Take weekly Friday at 6 p.m. on WKXL. Check out the NewEnglandTake.com for the back episodes of the show, and follow New England Take on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Check out the video clips of the show and figure out news for upcoming programs that we have going on. This week, I'm excited to welcome Kathleen Murphy. She's the interim superintendent for the Concord School District. Welcome Great to, to the be show. here. Thank you, AJ. Nice to be here. So Concord Schools open up for the fall, September 1st, and decisions have been made. Um, if, for anyone that wants all the details, please check out SAU8.org. It's got, it's got your presentation you did uh, via Zoom uh, two weeks ago was great. I thought it really answered a lot of questions. And um, I'm a parent. I've got a kid that's going to Abbott Downing into the second grade. So I've got a personal interest in what's going on with Concord School District and I'm sure you've got parents already asking 15 million questions at this point. We do, and you're absolutely right. And so we held a couple of Zoom meetings for elementary parents like yourself, and then we uh, offered one for our secondary students at middle and high school. Um, Had lots of parents on asking uh, good questions. Uh, But on the website, we have our plan for returning to school in the fall. We also have most frequently asked questions, which we get from our parents and also from our staff, and so we posted those uh, in, an, in a way to try to help parents out. We also just recently, and we'll continue to send out a letter, I just sent a letter out to parents, kind of keeping them informed about what's happening in the district and how we're moving ahead with uh, opening uh, on September 1st. So. Who makes the decisions here with regards to the game plan? Is it a collaborative decision between the school board and your office? That's right. That, that's how we operate. My responsibility is, is to provide all the, the research and um, do the surveying. We did a survey back in June. Uh, we talked to our staff. Uh, we get a lot of input from our parents. And based on that, plus all the recommendations specifically with, with the COVID uh, pandemic, Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we listen, obviously, to the New Hampshire Department of Health and Human Services. Dr. Chan and his team have been extremely helpful. Uh, CDC uh, with their recommendations, and most recently the American Pediatric Academy. And we take all of that information, uh, put together uh, some recommendations, a proposal, if you will, and submit it to the school board. Ultimately, the nine members of the Concord School Board make those decisions. They make the final decision they on what's going to happen. final decisions. So how much uh, politicking back and forth went on with regards to the decisions that were finally decided for the COVID uh, planning? Well, we have a really good process after we gathered all the data and we looked at the survey because the survey was done in June. So uh, when you look at the dashboard, the latest statistics, we have to keep an eye on that, what's Mm -hmm. happening around us um, and, and bring those recommendations forward to the board. But before we bring them to the board, the we have subcommittees of the school mm-hmm. board, and one of the subcommittees is called the Instructional Committee, and there's four members of the board. So we brought a proposal to them. We received feedback from them, um, maybe giving us some uh, ideas about what they'd like to see in our plan. We went back, we tweaked our plan, and then presented it formally to the board on August 1st or 2nd when we met, when the board met as a full board. And um, politicking, I think that we try to bring them facts. Mm-hmm. We try to bring them the, the science of what's happening, uh, what we think is in the best interest of children. Let's be very clear. This is all about the kids that we serve every day from preschool all the way up through grade 12. So the recommendations that we make out of my office to the board will always reflect what's in the best interest of our students. 
I guess that transitions perfectly to like the tough question going on with regards to opening back up is the fact masks will be required at this point when they're indoors. Right. And can you talk about what, how that decision came to be? Again, we looked at the, the information from CDC, the American Pediatric um, Academy, um, and the latest data that was around us in Merrimack County, in Concord, we saw the numbers uh, really beginning to move forward. You, it, just recently over the weekend, we had over 600 cases in the state. Uh, the numbers in Merrimack County and Concord have uh, in some cases tripled since just a month ago. And as a result, uh, bringing that data forward to the board, uh, the decision was made in the best interest of kids to keep, especially those students, we have a lot of students who are not vaccinated. Our teachers, we we believe about 80% to 85% of our oh, teachers wow. are vaccinated. Um, but as you know, that question of um, whether they're vaccinated or not is something that I that we can't just do. We can't ask that question. That's not part of their requirement for employment. So I don't know the exact number, but we because we held clinics, we believe it's around 80 to 85 percent. But we also know that none of our elementary youngsters, uh, K through six, have have had the vaccination. So with that in mind. Given the, the, the increase in uh, count for positive cases, the board moved to uh, institute a mandatory mask for our students when they return. Now, should the numbers change? Should we see? Yeah, that's my that, that's right, that's right. in should here. Should the numbers change <laughs> yeah. and the Delta variant isn't a, a, a concern of everyone, we will immediately you know, go back to the board and um, ask that that requirement become optional. I think there are many families that would still wear their masks, yeah. vaccinated or not, um, and, and in order to make sure that their child was protected. But it will be depend on that, on that data that we see on the dashboard. What sort of turnaround time would it take for a change like that to take place? I mean, would it be a couple weeks? Would it be a couple months for, for changing regarding masks? Well, for us in the district, it's a matter of just getting the information out to the families. And mm -hmm. we, we have such a good system to get that information out. I'm sure you know as a parent, you get messages not only from the classroom teacher, but you get it from the building principal and then from the superintendent's office. So that happens very quickly. I mean, okay. if, if the numbers dropped and we were in uh, – in an area that was um, less than than we are now, high numbers, we would uh, move to have the masks optional. Yeah, so me personally as a parent, um, not expecting you to necessarily agree or disagree with what I'm going to say, just for the record, but it's, to me, the, the masks are rough. Uh, when I, especially when it comes to a, a sec, as someone that's very young and K through four time frame, uh, age range. There's very little risk of transmission that's been shown on on the uh, uh, by the CDC that they can pass to each other. They can even necessarily pass to adults to to some extent. Teachers all have the opportunity to get vaccinated at this point. So if they decide they want to inherit that risk, I understand the school board doesn't want to take on the risk on their end or your office. Obviously, doesn't want uh, to willingly accept teachers are going to. Uh, just get sick and then the the fallout that could happen from that but it's um when it comes to the development of the young kids that's what really kills me well i understand that and that ha is concern and so we've we've put into place opportunities for those youngsters uh during the day to have mass breaks we've been very clear about that um we put in um outside um instructional areas so great. teachers uh, have been taking their kids out uh into the into the schoolyard to do lessons uh, we have uh, have tents on the sites, multiple tents on the sites, mm -hmm. so that 
uh, we can provide instruction outside. Um, and and so we've tried, in, and when they're outside, they don't have to wear their masks. Right. So the only time we're asking them is when they're in closed quarters, uh, like a classroom with up to 20, 20, and as many as 25 in the elementary schools in a classroom, along with their teacher and any support staff that's with them. So given those conditions, um, the safe the safe bet was to make that mandatory for masks. Yeah, I think that kind of goes to show something that might be good going forward, regardless of COVID, that might be a fantastic opportunity to get kids out of just being stuck in a, uh, in a building all day. Well, we've looked, you know, we've been looking at our um, funding from the federal government. We, mm -hmm. As you know, we Concord got um, nearly $15 million in federal funds to support us during this time where we, where we hired additional staff. We, we bought all kinds of PPE. Um, we had to uptick on our, our air quality systems. Um, and so, we're, you know, we've used that funding to help us uh, with some of the programs, including the outside mm. tents. We've used the money for that. But we've also been purchasing um, uh, furniture and outside equipment so the kids can be outside more. We know that that has really reduced um, the, the opportunity or the chance to have a positive test when you're mm -hmm. outside is far less than when you're in an indoor classroom. Yeah, I'm really hoping some of the enhanced cleaning that's going on just goes on, goes going forward for sure. I mean, that's uh, those, those kids, especially the K through four, a little petri dish is a disease with colds and flu. So well, it'd be great with that going forward. It's interesting. We, you know, obviously we didn't have any flu outbreaks this yeah, year. It's funny how that works. And, <laughs> um, and so uh, we didn't have that. We didn't have the as many colds and youngsters with that, and in part because there wasn't that transfer mm -hmm. of the of all the germs, uh, but you're right, uh, especially little ones, they have colds and ear infections and sore throats Strap and, and, <laughs> and all of those things that are childhood related. And so the cleaning has been great. Uh, they have a great system down. Um, the custodians have a routine, um, but we also have learned a lot. We know that it's not on the desk. It's not on the piece of paper. It's airborne. Yeah. And so the real emphasis was put on our air systems. Yeah. Right now we're running our air through our buildings at 100%. So those oh, nice. um, mechanics are working uh, uh, one, 100%. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, it was a significant increase in costs. Yeah. Uh, our business administrator, Jack Dunn, would tell you it probably costs us an additional $450,000 just to keep all seven buildings running at full capacity of air exchange. Um, we, again, used our some money to help defray those costs so it didn't fall on the back of our taxpayers, uh, but that we know that that was um, a, a positive result and that air quality was really important. And I'm curious, uh, once obviously there's going to be so much amazing data two or three years from now, we're going to be able to draw from what happened during this pandemic, it's kind of the, the bright side to the horribleness that happened is um, what sorts of changes were actually successful and ultimately could save money or increase educational opportunities for students, whether it is the enhanced cleaning, whether it is increasing airflow for airborne diseases, just the amount of sick days the teachers have to take, the amount of insurance uh, that they might have to, uh, health insurance they might have to utilize because they were sick and need to go to the hospital for strep or something like right. that. All of those things are true. Uh, yeah. We learned all of those things, but some of those things we've known all along. Mm. I think the COVID forced us to rethink and to make sure that there was good etiquette. Right. So we remind everybody when you sneeze and cough how to handle that, <laughs> right? 
And and so the etiquette of um, when you're sick, you can't you can't come to school. Right. That's how flu numbers. I mean, you can have as many as 20, 25 percent of the youngsters out when the a flu in yeah. the in the winter. We've learned if you're if you don't feel well, stay home. And that is one of the you know one of the parts of our plan that we advise parents to make sure check the kids out if they mm-hmm. don't feel good they should stay home yeah think about the once again from a cost perspective the amount of education that you just got to redo because you got to reteach the students everything because they miss so much time through flu right. season right and and we've 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 benefited from something else our teachers became experts mm-hmm. at the use of technology yes and so the opportunity when they the, and they were doing they went from remote to a hybrid to in fact at the middle and high school what we called room and zoom so we had youngsters at home Mm -hmm. zooming into the classroom the teachers had what we call an owl which filmed the class so the youngster at home could see their classmates as well as the teacher so the teachers became really technically uh an expert technical expert when it came to all this and i think those things will stay in place when you think about a youngster who may have a long-term illness in his home and can't be in school for whatever reasons or they're in the hospital and they can't be with their at school with their classmates and their teachers. These are tools now that we can use so that the education will continue for those youngsters for whatever reason. So we have learned a lot from it, and we've mm-hmm. thought about the way we deliver and how we respond. We we've become much more sensitive to the social emotional issues. Our youngsters have really been hampered by the fact that they weren't with their peers. I think you talked about it with me and. And, and your boy and how important it was for him to be in school with his peers and his buddies and in uh, in play. And, and, of course, that's very much a part of their developmental process. So we learned a lot about that. Here with Kathleen Murphy, the interim superintendent for the Concord School District. Uh, so, I mean, going forward, what's the – do you guys have some hopes and dreams for five years from now still being able to utilize these new technologies that are available, whether it's partnering the University of New Hampshire has their iLearn project? Like, is, is there hopes to kind of piggyback onto that, or is it continuing to expand the services you're already using, or is it a big question mark still at this point? Well, I think we've learned a lot, and I hope we continue with that, and I think technology is going to be a big player in that. I, I consider the COVID-19 to be the great disruptor. Mm-hmm. And it's a great disruptor in the way that we do business. And we have to rethink it in terms of learning. We learned a lot about partnerships with parents because parents became essential partners yeah. in the work that we did with our students because they were home with the youngster, whether they were on remote on their lessons or whether they had a, a, a an asynchronous lesson where they had to pick up their lesson off of a Google, you know, a Google file. Our parents became essential partners, and I think that will stay with us and change the way we do our work uh, with students. Yeah, I think that's that's super important for the development of children, especially younger children. And it, it's important when they're teenagers, too, to still have that connection to what your kid's doing in class. But um, it's important for the child to see their parents know things. <laughs> it's not just the teachers. But, but so many aspects of what we did. I mean, even as simple as transportation. Yeah. We knew that we couldn't put all the students on the bus because we had six-foot distancing and one to a seat. Well, you know, we have many as 60 or 70 youngsters on a bus, on a bus run. Yeah. Parents stepped up. They brought their kids to school. They, 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 they provided the transportation wherever they could. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's some that couldn't. We understood that. But again, I think that working together, we really, um, we really proved that we could 
make a difference in the lives of the kids, even during a pandemic like COVID-19. So when did you start with the Concord School District? And uh, I mean, do you have some big picture goals here coming over the next couple of years? I do. Um, I do. And I think that um, for, for all the things that we learned about technology, that's one. We also have learned uh, about uh, access and equal access because we knew that during this time that there were families that didn't have the right. capacity to, to, to be able to hook up to the Internet or maybe didn't have the tools at home that they needed in order to uh, support their youngsters. Sometimes there were language barriers. Mm -hmm. So we, we know that um, that outreach into the community and working with our partners in the community um, will always be a part of what we do in order for our students to be successful. I think uh, over time we're gonna, we, we, you're going to see a lot of changes. We're talking about career pathways um, so that our youngsters have more opportunity to um, be involved in the community and in various aspects of, 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 of the world of work and, and what's out there as well as their future uh, career and college and career, being college and career ready. So I, I think those things are important to us. Um, I think the board is ready to do a strategic plan, and I think that will be very exciting. That's mm -hmm. really the next big plan for them uh, to, uh, to reach out into our community talk to all of our partners, all of our governor, government agencies, um, folks who work in the city, uh, our teachers, our students, and develop a three- to five-year plan for the district. And that's one of their goals for next year. So we look forward to doing that. How often does the school board turn over? Well, they, they have an annual election. They all have a three-year term. So a person runs for the board, um, and they're on the board for three years. This year, uh, in November, we have three of our board members that are at large um, for three-year terms. So uh, there's some consistency, which is mm -hmm. important, just it like uh, uh, teachers in the classroom, uh, building principals, uh, superintendents, uh, you want some consistency. And I think the leadership that they provide uh, and, and having that consistent leadership will, will be helpful. Yeah, modern times, it really helps also kind of push back a little of the political nature of election season, I'd imagine. Yeah, and, and you know what? Schools are a little bit different. I mean, we're all for the common good of all kids, and that, that has to be their focus. It can't be just about a certain agenda, but, mm -hmm. what, but their work really evolves around all children and, and, the, and the common good for all children, which is a little bit different than sometimes other political positions in, in a community. All right, so we're hitting the end here. Is there anything else you want to say to parents before we close up? No, I just I can't say enough about the support and uh, and the feedback. I have, I mean, the good and the bad. I mean, yeah. uh, they... But you're uh, going to get it. Yeah, I'm going to get it, and I get it. You know, that we. I even laugh about snow days, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, this year when I didn't call a snow day, um, there were some parents that weren't happy with me and then when I did call a snow day, there were parents who weren't happy with me. So I get that, and I accept that, and I accept their um, their feedback. I think it's really important. I, I want parents to know that we're open to that feedback. We want to hear from them because we really value uh, their opinions. And we also hear from the students. You know, we heard from students during uh, during COVID, too, and, um, and, and, and those are important voices uh, in the work that we do.
Kathleen Murphy, thank you so much for joining me. She's the interim superintendent for the Concord School District. Be sure to get the specifics on the reopening guidelines and the just the game plan at sau8.org. You're listening to the New England Take in WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM, and nhtalkradio.com.